Hello friends, welcome back to another episode of Budo the Martial Way. I am so happy to have you here with me again. And I'm not just saying that, I mean it. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I'm not just talking to myself here. So I'm talking to you, you right now. Thank you very much for joining me. Today I would like to talk to you about the god that I worship, the martial deity. If you are already an individual of faith, if you have your own beliefs and your own system that you follow, then that's fantastic. But if, like me, you are a non-theistic individual, if you do not subscribe to any particular religion and certainly not to any kind of god or deity, then you might find this interesting. You might find that this gives you something to think about and possibly you too may be able to create your own God. Now this all might sound a little bit confusing. How can you be atheist and believe in a God? How can I create my own God? It all might sound a little bit confusing now, but I promise it will all become clear. And I really hope that the things that I'm gonna discuss today will be useful to you. I wouldn't be sitting here now talking to this microphone if I didn't think that they were. So please make yourself comfortable. Take a deep breath, get yourself a drink, and let's begin. Now, Buddhism, as with all religions, I hesitate to call it a religion because I certainly follow it as a practical and philosophical practice, not a religion, certainly not a theistic religion. But within the Japanese Buddhist pantheon, there are several deities, each of which represent a different quality or aspect of human nature. Some of these may have actually originally been a person at some point in time. However, I expect that many of these gods within Japanese Buddhism were created to represent a certain value in the context of stories or, or within some moral teaching. Now, as I've said before, we understand that within each of us is the infinite capacity for good and also the infinite capacity for evil. We each have the potential to have joy, anger, generosity, envy, so on and so forth. All of these qualities, both positive and negative, we all have all of that within us. So many of the gods and deities of various religions, both present and throughout histories, are some kind of figurehead that represent these distilled qualities that exist within each of us. I've, I've heard it said before, what did they say? Uh, you might have heard somebody say something along the lines that the churches are emptying and the cinemas are filling. So if we were to step back through time, and if, certainly if we were to ask younger generations, if we were, were to ask kids throughout history, who's the bravest person in the world? Maybe they'd respond Thor or Kratos or if we were to ask who's the scariest, maybe different kids from different eras would have answered Hades or, An <laughs> or Anubis or someone like that. But if we were to ask now uh, a modern day average child, some, some Western kid, if we were to ask them Who's the, who's the bravest? Who's the scariest? They're more likely to say something like Superman or, or Joker. So every culture and every generation has its own personification of innate 
human qualities. Now, I'm not a superstitious individual. I've never believed in any kind of God or otherworldly presence residing over us. But what I did is, out of curiosity, I sat down and I asked myself, what would be the qualities of my God? If I was to have that holy deity above me, what are the most venerable characteristics that I should hold in the highest regard, the standards that I should strive for. So thinking back to all of my own influences, both fictional and real, historic figures, famous figures, but also people that have inspired me and that have taught me directly throughout my own life, what I give you now are the 16 most important values that I have come to respect. Knowledgeable and wise. The first of the Buddhist Eightfold Path is right understanding. Without a correct intellectual guide, we could not possibly hope to comprehend or practice any virtue. To describe it with a metaphor, if we think of the path to enlightenment as a mountain, I have heard correct understanding as as simply being aware of the mountain itself. Now, I talked to you a lot about how the practical application of our knowledge is so vitally important, but none of this will begin without some kind of intellectual understanding. If we don't have that thought, if we don't have that motivation to to walk toward the light, the understanding, whether that is within any practice that we pursue. If we don't first have that thought within our brain, we are not going to enact anything physically. So that is why this is number one. First, we must have the knowledge and the understanding before we are able to enact anything. Physically skilled and able. The two basic components of any individual are body and mind. Without a correct intellectual basis, we would have no guide toward right living, as I said before. But without a healthy and capable body, we would not be able to support ourselves and actually engage properly within that lifestyle. To be physically able is to be healthy in all regards, to have a strong cardiovascular system, powerful muscularity and supple flexibility. But to be skilled in that physicality is also important with practice reflexes, accurate hand-eye coordination, proprioception, to have balance, to have timing. We all know that there's a lot of very wise, very educated individuals who cling to that intellectualism and they hope to find refuge in their intelligence. While on the flip side, there are other very physical individuals who devote themselves entirely to training and have never read a book in their damn life. But the true sage understands the value of both body and mind and will pursue the development of both. To quote Socrates, no man has the right to be an amateur in the matter of physical training. It is a shame for a man to grow old without seeing the beauty and strength of which his body is capable. Disciplined and diligent. Discipline is certainly one of the most vitally important virtues that any individual can possess. It could be described as simply little more than the ability to decide on a course of action and be able to motivate yourself to follow it through. 
As with any virtue, discipline can be learnt. It can be it can be improved. It is not a fixed quality with any of us. However, to discipline yourself, it is difficult. It is very difficult. Punishment and failure should really be experienced as much as reward for success. But it's very hard for us to punish ourselves, and it's a lot easier for somebody else to punish us. That's why it's so easy to find discipline within the military or within a martial arts dojo or something like that when you are receiving it from somebody else. It is very hard for us to teach it for to ourselves, but it is possible. So once we have achieved some degree of discipline within ourselves, Every other principle that comes after that becomes so much easier because we will have a much firmer resolve and a stronger ability to engage with that task that we have set ourselves and to consistently stick to it, which leads toward diligence. Diligence is defined as careful and persistent work or effort, which sounds a lot to me like discipline applied over time. I always say that the two most important requirements to learn or progress in any endeavor are time and effort. To work diligently is to apply effort consistently over time. To every single one of my students, when I thank them at the end of the lesson, I always say, thank you for your time and effort. I'm really trying to drill into their heads that that is how that they get good at anything. Thank you for applying the time and applying the effort. I'm thanking them for that because I want them to understand those are two of the most important things for them to achieve anything. This should really be remembered when we are lacking in motivation or if we're engaging in some kind of necessary task that we just frankly don't really want to do. We all find ourselves in those times when we when we just don't really want to get out of bed. We don't want to pursue the, the tasks that we have set for ourselves. You know, we have good days, we have bad days, and, and sometimes we need to do tasks that are maybe in themselves kind of annoying, but part of a larger, greater thing. It is during these moments, during these times, that we need to delve deep within ourselves and we need to draw out that discipline. We need to remember that we must be diligent in our work. To quote Charles William Went, success in life is a matter not so much of talent as of concentration and perseverance. Stoic and composed. Now, come on, you all knew this was coming. You all know how much I love stoicism, or at least you should by now. To truly learn any of the Stoic principles, I mainly, first and foremost, I recommend reading Marcus Aurelius's Meditations. I cannot recommend this book enough, and I'll keep recommending it to you until you buy yourself a copy and you read it. Much like Plato and Socrates, Marcus constantly reminded us to value the directing mind above all else. In exactly the same conclusions, as reached by Zen masters, the Stoic philosophers understood the idea that any action performed under the guide of a centered, clear, and rational mind will also be a straight, correct action. Not to be distracted by the actions of others or the influence of wayward thoughts and emotion, whether someone's shouting in your face or rounds are flying over your head, it is within our capacity at all times to think and act rationally. And, you know, this, this takes practice. Of course it does. It takes practice. 
there's a lot of value to be found in placing ourselves outside of our comfort zone in high pressure situations where we can experience what it feels like to have the effects of cortisol and adrenaline and to be within that stressful mindset and then learn to control ourselves within that difficult situation. And it also takes confidence in our ability to handle ourselves in that situation. Once we have been within difficult circumstances and we come out the other side, we have greater faith in our own set of skills and our own experience. And that allows us to act with conviction. Yeah, that's, that's the fantastic thing about practicing martial arts and why it's so recommended, especially even to children. Because when you place yourself in those really difficult circumstances, when you're sparring, when you're rolling, and you come out of it the other side, and you know, maybe you get a few knocks and bruises here and there, but you know, you're, you're good, you're good, you're good to go, you're alive. And it make it gives you that greater confidence that actually I will be okay and I'm not such a delicate flower and that, you know, I, I can handle myself in difficult situations. People really like to look at calm and confident role models in TV and cinema and they try to imitate these characteristics uh, without actually thinking about what it is that allows these people to act in such a way. We should always attempt to remain stoic and composed, even in the face of adversity, especially in the face of adversity. But it must also be understood that a calm and collected demeanor is the result of rigorous training and experience, as well as a conscious effort to act in such a way. We can't, we can't just will ourselves to be confident. It takes practice and it takes placing ourselves in di in difficult situations is something that we need to learn but i am confident that it is within all of our abilities to build that confidence i know there's a lot of people out there who just think oh that's not me that's not me but it is possible it is possible i promise you resolute and unsentimental to be resolute is to decide on a course of action and remain committed to it. Much like the discipline and diligence that I've already talked to you about, once we have consciously decided on a course of action, we, we should commit to it. We should stay on that course. Even when we encounter difficulty and challenges, we've got to keep going. We, we, we cannot allow that to, to, to throw us off course. Now, that's not to say that we should obstinately stick to our task, even when it becomes impractical or no longer productive for some reason. We should always remain flexible and ready to drop any course of action as soon as it is proven to be incorrect. But laziness, doubt and distraction and other such hindrances are not valid reasons for us to falter in our resolution. To quote the great Marcus Aurelius, If someone can prove me wrong and show me my mistake in any thought or action, I shall gladly change. I seek truth, which has never harmed anyone. The harm is to persist in one's own self-deception and ignorance. Now, sentimentality is more often than not a weakness, whether it's hoarding possessions in our home or showing some kind of deep nostalgia or attachment towards something external. To be overly sentimental is to, I think, to display a lack of appreciation 
for the impermanence of all things. A really good, <laughs> a really good example I like to I like to think about is in the British Army first aid field manual. It has a, a flow chart inside the, the the front cover, and it details in very very clear, direct, easy to understand steps how we should proceed when someone is wounded. And the very first step of the flowchart asks you, are you under direct enemy fire? And if the answer is yes, you are directed toward win the firefight. And then it redirects you back to the first question. (laughs) It's literally, are you being shot at right now? Yes. Okay. Fucking deal with the situation. Okay. It doesn't matter if the person next to you bleeding out, dying is your long lost brother or anyone or your best friend or anyone. It doesn't matter. Sentimental attachment should not redirect our actions from the correct logical course of action. Once again, we should value the discerning mind above any transient emotive quality. To quote, To be sentimental or emotional now is dangerous to oneself and to others. To trust anyone or to admit any hope of a better world is criminally foolish as foolish as it is to stop working for it. Keith Douglas Fearless and unafraid Everyone experiences fear, and it's often said that the people who don't experience fear are either a fool or lying. We know that fear serves a valuable purpose within us to to stimulate us toward directing our attention toward a, a potential danger. And many great champion martial artists known for their great, brave and courageous demeanor have talked very candidly about the fear and apprehension they've felt before fighting. I can think of uh, George St. Pierre, Donald Cerrone, Mike Tyson. He's got a really interesting video online that in, in an interview where he talks about fear. They all experienced this anxiety and this dread despite the fearless composure which they externally project. The question isn't so much whether we will experience fear, but rather how we deal with that sensation when we do encounter it, the same as any other emotion. So we should recognize the danger of the situation, logically assess that which we are afraid of, but once we have reached a conclusion and we are decided on a course of action, we have no longer any further need to linger in that state of mind or indulge that emotion. We should direct our feelings and thoughts away from fear and toward composure. So as I said before, we must expose ourselves to those situations which test us emotionally. This is a really good way for us to familiarize ourselves with the experience and then we are able to practice and gain that experience in in how we deal with that state of mind. As they say, train hard, fight easy. So I can tell you from experience, I felt immense fear and apprehension before all of my competitive bouts, but every single one of them turned out to be easier than the hardest training sessions that I've had sparring in the gym. What I was afraid of, the things that I feared, never actually really came to pass. I had feared these kind of imaginary consequences that I dreamt up in my mind rather than looking at the reality of the situation 
and just applying myself to what I needed to do within that moment. Fear is not objectively real. It's it's not a physical, tangible thing that exists externally in the world around us. It only resides subjectively within our own mind. And as rational beings, we should ideally have complete control over our own thoughts. So we shouldn't be afraid. We should see clearly and proceed fearlessly to that which we must engage. Ferocious and without mercy. Now, for all our compassion and for all our selflessness and for all the care and love that we extend to our fellow beings, there does come a point at which we must put ourselves first. As a soldier or a martial artist, we can operate with respect for our adversaries But at the end of the day, there can only be one. And it is up to each of us to make sure that we are that one. (laughs) Even even for a civilian, uh, like a job interview, uh, a sporting event or, or some other such environment, there comes a time when being excessively humble will be to our disadvantage. There is an unavoidable reality that there are many people in this world who will take our modesty for weakness, and will have absolutely no moral misgivings in asserting their dominance over us. I have seen it time and time again in all walks of life, whether I've been in the company of experienced warriors or petty wage slaves, there are always those individuals who make their way in life at the expense of others around them. So we must always keep in mind the reality of no self And remember the truth in the understanding that all men are brothers and we do live for cooperation. But there are countless people in this world who will oppose us, either for their own benefit or for what they believe is the good of the whole. Even if they are mistaken in their belief, they will contend with us through their ignorance, regardless. It is with these people at the correct time, that we must act fiercely and assert our own authority without any hesitation. In in martial arts, I I look back and I remember that there was a lot of time when I went far too easily on people. You know, with people above me, I didn't want to, I don't know, it's hard to explain. I didn't want to kind of like disrespect them. I wanted to show that I was respective of their greater skill and with people below me, because some of the people above me, you know, were just, you know, you get, you get bullies in the gym and with the people who were below me, who were much, much less skilled than me, I always wanted to show them, look, look, I'm not a bully, you know, let's go light, let's take it easy. And I wanted to be courteous toward them. And to be honest, looking back, sometimes I think maybe, maybe I was a little bit too polite. You know, maybe I should have been a little bit more ferocious and a little bit less forgiving. And working in security, I have very, very clearly made that mistake more than once where I start out in a situation that I want to be really, really polite, really, you know, friendly and professional. And in talking to someone who I initially I didn't think was any kind of threat, I let them gain some kind of like social dominance over me. And then later on, when they started to become a problem, they took me as being weak 
because I began so politely and so friendly. And you can't, with these difficult people, you can't show that kind of weakness. So through this experience, I've learned a really valuable lesson about the ability to conduct myself in a very respectful and a very formal demeanor, but also not allow anyone the opportunity to take advantage of any perceived weakness in my character at the same time. So whenever we meet our enemy, it's very easy to stand in awe or even fear of what we recognize to be their viciousness and their savagery. But it's at that time that we must remember that within each of us is the infinite capacity for all things, good and evil. So for all their cruelty, we must find within ourselves the potential for even greater brutality. So when they confront us, we will resist their attempts and in turn crush them with complete ruthlessness and utter ferocity. We must remember well, no matter how bad they can be, we can be worse. To quote the great Bruce Lee, approach Jeet Kune Do with the idea of mastering the will. Forget about winning or losing. Forget about pride and pain. Let your opponent graze your skin and you smash into his flesh. Let him smash into your flesh and you fracture his bones. Let him fracture your bones and you take his life. Do not be concerned with your escaping safely. Lay your life before him. Bruce Lee. Honorable and with Zen. So while we must operate with resolution, with fearlessness and with ferocity, we must still conduct ourselves in a respectful manner, conscious of the fact that we can always be held accountable for our words, our actions and our behaviours. If not by others, then at the very least, we can be held accountable by ourselves. I remember a, uh, a teacher of the tea ceremony once told me, the sun is always watching. Or if you are Christian, they would say that God is always watching you. True to the law of karma, the attitude that we emanate from ourselves is most often what we will in turn receive. So we must always act in an honorable manner. We should never really <laughs> expect any greater respect or courtesy from anyone else than that which we are ourselves willing to give to them. Now, honor is not to be confused with face. If someone publicly humiliates or shames us, that is not a slight against our honor. That is a loss of face in which we have been embarrassed as our ego is wounded. So we must abandon the ego. The sense of self is more often a hindrance than an aid. Now, that having been said, how others perceive us is important and it is crucially influential in social encounters and how we are able to operate within society. But we should always consider this factor carefully and not allow it to provoke us into impulsive action. I read a book a few years ago, Living the Martial Way, a manual for the way a modern warrior should think by Forrest E. Morgan. Really fascinating book. And one of the best things that I took away from that is the definition of honor within it. Within this book, he defines honor as having three key components, obligation, justice, and courage. Now, obligation can most 
easily be recognized as a duty towards serving another individual. But if it is toward ourselves, we should really examine deeply if the course of action that we are following is something we are truly morally obligated toward. If we do not feel an honest moral obligation toward action, then it's most probably not a particularly honorable one. Now, justice is a very complex concept, and I'm not going to try to define it here. It's really, at the end of the day, it's up to each of us individually to decide what we believe is right and just in this world. But whatever we determine our own justice to be, our actions must work within those parameters to be considered honorable. So a good example he gives in the book is the Japanese Yakuza. They are known for having a very, very strict code of honor in which they press a heavy burden of obligation on their members to undertake tasks for the organization. But without justice in their actions, that would really be regarded as honorably weak. So if we consider that we or someone we feel some kind of responsibility toward have been wronged in some way and we assess our reaction to be correct and just, then if we respond in some sneaky or underhanded manner, that would be devoid of courage. So to act honorably is not always easy and so it may sometimes be tempting to proceed by some measure that would be, I don't know, that might, that might ensure our own anonymity or mitigate any potential retaliation, which would protect us from the possible consequences of our actions. However, if we're acting mindfully with moral virtue and under a just cause, we should have no reason to hide ourselves or to act in a cowardly manner. So we must have the fortitude to bravely stand behind all of our actions So if this is something that we are unwilling to do, then again, if we don't have the courage to stand behind our action, to stand behind our response to any situation, then perhaps we are not acting honorably. So finally, any martial deity or follower thereof will always attempt to operate with Zen. Zen is a very deep and complex concept, but I have, if you, if, if you were to ask me to define the, the, the meaning of the word Zen in the most concise manner, I have defined it as present awareness. So in my own research, I've seen the exact same message time and time again from Buddhists, Zen monks, Taoists, Greek philosophers. They all value a clear and discerning mind in the absolute highest regard. Perception free from external obscurations. So it said that with right vision, we may have right thought, and with right thought, we may conduct ourselves in right action. So to be centered within ourselves is an experience beyond intellectual understanding. It is, it is something that we must experience directly. We must perceive it for ourselves to truly understand it. Zen is sometimes referred to by athletes as being in the zone. Um, Another term you might sometimes hear is flow state. 
These are conditions in which the individual has achieved a complete focus on a single task. Now, a lot of people have never even actually experienced such a state. And a lot of the people who who have experienced it, they don't really have the intellectual understanding to appreciate what they were experiencing and the the uh, and to appreciate the conditions that would lead to such a state. So that once the moment is passed, it becomes a lot more difficult to return to. But with practice, it is possible to return to that center with greater ease for longer durations whilst under greater stress. So there are a lot of different methods taught by countless cultures throughout history on how to achieve this state of present awareness. But from my own experience, Zazen, Zen meditation is one of the most practical and direct routes toward realizing this state of mind. There are many other forms such as mindfulness meditation or within yoga, uh, Vipassana meditation is fantastic. So I've listed this virtue last because if we are able to realize and maintain this center and act with present awareness, then many of the other virtues that I've already spoken about will reveal themselves naturally to us. So if we were only able to remember one thing from all this, and I am only able to practice one quality within myself, I want it to be that of Zen. Here and now, posture, breathing. Look, listen, feel. Knowledgeable and wise. Physically skilled and able, disciplined and diligent, stoic and composed, resolute and unsentimental, fearless and unafraid, ferocious and without mercy, honourable and with zen. These are the 16 virtues of the martial deity. If we are to practice the martial way, we must learn and practice each of these virtues well. We need to learn them broadly, experience them deeply, and then realize them so truthfully that they become a part of ourselves. Those on the way become the way. I hope you found that interesting and I hope it gave you something to think about. <laughs> Maybe now you understand what I mean by creating my own God. This is the martial deity to which I worship. And those 16 qualities are part of my daily mantra. So I'm always remembering it. I'm always considering it. I'm always trying to drill that into my mind and direct myself as much as possible toward that. I'm certainly not saying that that is necessarily the God that you should worship. If any of those points have resonated with you and given you something to think about, then that's fantastic. But what would be really good if you yourself can sit down and think about what are the values that I want to lead my life toward, compassion, selflessness, uh, strength, honor, any, any of these things. Think for yourself. Create your own God. Create your own deity. Don't just worship some celebrity or some personality. No, no. Think for yourself. Really distill something infallible that you can direct yourself toward. So this 
episode is actually the first episode that I have recorded since the podcast has gone live, since uh, I, I've created a Twitter account now and I'm every day I'm tweeting and I'm putting up a lot of the notes that I have read from many books over the last three years. So please, if you're listening to this, and I know you are, I see the numbers, I see you out there, I see you listening to this, please get on my Twitter account, engage with me, leave a comment, tell me what you think, because I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this because I want to share some of the things that I've learned. So I would really love to hear from you. And speaking of some of the people out there on Twitter and some of the people that have contacted me so far, I want to give a shout out to Balu Bambat. I am sorry if I pronounced that incorrectly. But uh, really nice guy. I've been chatting to him on Twitter. Really, really nice guy. And thank you for getting in touch. Thank you for uh, for listening to some of the podcast and and to uh, to letting me know your thoughts. Really interesting guy who wants to get started with martial arts, and he had a lot of really interesting questions about the martial way. Um, so I'm yeah, I'm really excited to to ho- hopefully to, to support him in his own journey. Another guy I've been very interested to talk to. Again, I'm so sorry. Tero Cadenas. I'm so sorry if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. Tero Cadenas. Uh, I'll link to his account on Twitter. But he's a really interesting guy. He's a Finnish software developer and entrepreneur and judoka. And he actually, uh, we've been talking and he, he's got this really interesting app that he's created called Zen Metrics. And I think it's really fantastic for, for people who've begun meditation but maybe you know maybe it's kind of uh, a little bit inconsistent and maybe it's just for 10 minutes or so and for those people who really want to take it to the next level you know they've they've started out but they want to they want to make it more consistent they want to make it longer they want to make it deeper for those people this app zen metrics i think is looks fantastic it looks really good um so I've, i've already recommended it to a couple of my students to try out so again, yeah, really interesting guy. And thank you so much for listening to my podcast and, and giving me some really, really good in-depth um, uh, feedback. I really appreciate that. So yeah, again, thank you very much. So last, but most definitely not least, War on Weakness. Another really interesting guy, strong presence on Twitter. He's posting a lot of interesting stuff. He's got an ebook out. He's got some material online. But every day he's posting a lot of really interesting stuff. You know, he he is another individual on the way, on the path. He's growing, he's learning, and he's trying to share some of what he's learning. You know, exactly the same. He's studying, he's a student, but he's a teacher as well. And yeah, every day I'm seeing him pop up, you know, some of the material, some of the content he's putting online. And he sent me a few messages. He commented on a couple of my things. So again, yeah, really appreciate him. Yeah, really, yeah, thank you very much um, for your support as well. So again, thank you to everybody involved. Thank you for listening. And next week, I'm going to talk about the difference between discipline and motivation. A lot of people talk about uh, self-motivation. Doesn't exist. Self-discipline, it's the only form of discipline. Okay, discipline and motivation. This is so important. Really, really important to distinguish the difference between discipline and motivation and just simply understand what those things are. Okay, I'm going to talk to you about that next time. So until then, keep doing what you're doing. Keep practicing, keep training, keep learning. Let me know what you think. And I will see you again very soon. Those on the way become the way.